This episode of We Run This is sponsored by Ekron Athletics. Do you often make this sound? I mean, you know that sound, right? It's the sound you make every time you get up out of a chair or out of your car or out of bed in the morning. I know you know that sound. It's your mouth making noises to express how your legs, neck, back, and joints feel from being stuck in one position for too long. If you're an athlete, you know these noises all too well. I mean, I make these noises often. And then I got the B37 Percussion Massager from Ekron. The B37 has been a game changer. The B37, it provides this deep muscle treatment like I have never felt before. In just a few minutes, just using this percussion massager, I start to feel better, I start to move better, and I even feel like I recover faster from long runs or classes or or anything I'm doing athletically. I mean, look, we'd, we'd all love to visit our massage therapist every week, but time and budget constraints often make that pretty impossible. But the B37 is a massage therapist right in your own home. So let me tell you a little bit more about the B37 and what it actually does. So it offers five different speeds and uses up to 56 pounds of force. It also comes with four different heads, so it can target different areas better. And the design of the actual massage gun, it makes it easier to hit those tough spots. You know those like tough spots that you can't get to with just your hand or you know rubbing a lacrosse ball against the wall or on the floor or however we runners and athletes with the weird things we do to make ourselves feel better. Well, you don't need any of that anymore. You just use the Ekron massager. You can hit all those spots and you'll immediately feel better. And best of all, the B37, it comes in a handy travel case. So you can take the massager anywhere. I mean, I took it on vacation with me this past summer, and I used it after a day of mountain climbing and, and trail running. I just took it out from underneath the bed, hit my muscles, felt good after 10, 15 minutes. I mean, there's never been a better time to get yourself a percussion massager from Ekron. So I'm telling you that you will not be disappointed, especially when you hear that I'm partnering with them to offer my listeners a special discount. So all you have to do is just head over to ekronathletics.com, get yourself a B37 or, or any of their percussion massagers, and use the promo code RUN20, and you get 20% off your order. It's that simple. So it's really time for you to stop making those weird noises, especially in front of strangers. Again, all you got to do, head over to Ekron Athletics. that's E-K-R-I-N, athletics.com. Get yourself a B37, use the promo code RUN20, and get 20% off. Your body will thank you. Your massage therapist, eh, she probably won't thank you as much. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We Run This, the podcast for serious runners. 
hosted by a guy who isn't serious about anything. That guy is me, I'm Chris Luminati, and I'm coming to you today from the inside of a bathroom. Okay, I'm not. I'm coming to you from my new apartment. Uh, I don't have much in it yet, so it sounds like I'm inside a closet or a toilet because of the echo. Hopefully uh, it works itself out uh, in the editing room. Uh, I'll be doing the editing, so I don't know if it's going to get worked out because I really don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, welcome to another episode of the show. Uh, Our guest today is uh, Trevor Fuchs. I love saying that name. Uh, Fuchs rhymes with books, except it begins with an F. Uh, Trevor is an ultra runner, vegan-based ultra runner. We talk about that. Let's see. Let me let me go through his laundry list of wins because I don't have them uh, off the top of my head. He won the, the Wasatch 100. Um, I murdered that. The Wasatch 100 twice. He won the Hurt 100 in 2020, and he set a fastest known time at White Rim in November 2021. And um, he's a good vegan baker. I think that's the most important thing we're going to learn from this. Uh, he likes to cook and bake vegan, and um, we talk about that. We talk about running. We talk about parenting. We talk about a lot of things. Trevor's a good dude, and we just overall had a pretty good conversation. Uh, Yeah, so I moved recently, and uh, the reason there's nothing in my apartment yet is because I'm waiting for a couch to get delivered, along with a rug, along with putting pictures on the wall. I've been here about a week. Uh, it's been great so far. The day of the move itself was awful. I ended up having to move myself because, uh, long story short, uh, I kind of got ghosted by the movers slightly. They waited to the last minute to give me an estimate. The estimate was insane. I should have put more effort into finding better movers. It's a long story. It's my fault. But I ended up doing it myself with the help of my cousin and a friend of mine. Uh, one helped load and one helped unload and moving if you haven't moved in a long time it's as shitty as you remember it's just an awful day all around and the next day is probably just as bad because the one day you're spending moving all the boxes into the place and out of a place and the next day you're just stuck with all the boxes and you can't find anything i could not find anything uh even though everything was labeled And in right places, I still, you know, because you put everything in a box and you you label it like kitchen, but you don't exactly know if there's seven boxes that say kitchen, you don't know what's inside there. Even if you put pots and pans, it's just, I don't know, every time I move, I realize I'm terrible at moving and I say, this is the last time. And I know it's not really going to be the last time, but I just, you know, play pretend and and, and pretend it's going to be the last time. So yeah, so I'm in the new place. Uh, I also made the mistake of... And I regretted this probably two or three hours into the move. I, I, I ran that morning. Yeah, I, I knew I was going to be loading a truck and moving boxes myself. And I decided to go for a three-mile run before. And I thought to myself, God, you are stupid. Like, why, why, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you go and exhaust yourself? The morning before, you're going to literally exhaust yourself. Us runners, we're a freaking weird breed, man. I don't, I don't know what, what our deal is. There's something inside us. It's, it's just not right. 
Um, yeah, so it felt like moving feels like an ultra marathon. I've, I've never run an ultra. My guest Trevor has run many. Uh, I wonder if he would equate it to moving. I'm sure he would also say that moving sucks. I don't, I don't think there's anybody that even likes moving. I don't know. Movers definitely don't like moving. Who likes moving? No one does. Uh, yeah, so before we get into that, a couple quick housekeeping notes. Please, please, if you can, subscribe. If you're not subscribed, subscribe. Share the show. Five-star review. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. And, I mean, follow me outside my house. I still have some boxes that need unpacking. You could come on over and, and unpack them with me. Just just follow the show. Share the show if you like it. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. Uh, it's the echo. It's not me. Uh <laughs> Just, yeah, I'd appreciate a share and a couple likes and a couple nice comments. They go a long way. If you don't feel like doing that, please go to ethicrenathletics.com and buy yourself a massager at uh, 20% off. Use the code RUN20. Get yourself 20% off, just like the commercial said at the beginning of the show. You can support me either way. I mean, I'd love if you bought some massage guns, and I'm sure the people at Ekrin would too. But if you just want to share the show and give it a five-star review, I would love that too. Uh, okay, enough of my babbling inside a toilet with this echo. Let's uh, let's go and have a conversation with Trevor Fuchs. What's up, everybody? We're back, and we are here with Trevor Fuchs. Trevor, what's up, my friend? How you doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, first question I always ask uh, everybody, well, it is now. I don't always ask it first, but did you run today? I haven't yet. No, I, I ran a 100-miler um, last Friday, so kind of taking it easy right now. <laughs> How long do you take off after those? Um, you know, I took probably two days totally off. I've been riding my bike since then, but usually around seven to 10 days without running, just sort of as a rule of thumb. But. Do you experience a lot of people we talk to, uh, they experience uh, a low after the past couple of days. Like some people have said it called it a depression. Yeah. When you train for something for a really long time, or do you just do so many that it, there's just going to be an up and down no matter what? Uh, no, I think there's, there's a definite low, um, especially depending on how the race went. Uh, this one didn't go quite how I wanted it. So, um, I just kind of been doing the, the, uh, what if game <laughs> the last few days. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a depression. It's more just, uh, if anything, it's almost like an obsession to, to want to sign up for another race and see if I can, you know, put the puzzle together a little better this time or, or whatever. Got, got, let me ask this. I, I, of all the ultra runners on here that I've had on here, I don't think, know if I've ever asked this question. So if I'm running a regular race, like even a half marathon, ultra marathon, I mean, I'm sorry, a half marathon or, or marathon. So I've got the, let's just say the 13 miles of the half. If I pretty much know in mile three that it's not going my way, I'm going to carry that with me for the rest of the time. You've got a hundred miles to go. Have there been yeah. times when you've been like, oh, this is great, and then it ended up at a low, or times when you were like, oh, this is a low, and by the end, you were really chugging along? 
yeah, I've, I've had both, uh, this past race, Wasatch 100, um, felt great was leading into mile 67. And, uh, I had some, some fueling mistakes early on that, that sort of caught up to me hydration mistakes, actually, that sort of transpired into, into, uh, fueling mistakes as well. Um, and then it, you know, just felt like crap until I finished it out after about mile 70, um, race before that. I knew at mile three that I was going to have a terrible day. Um, that's pretty daunting when you have 97 miles left. This was hard route, hard rock 100. So not only is it 97 miles, but it's also 30,000 feet of climbing left at that point. Um, so that was definitely like a challenge to, to push my way through that. Then I ended up having a high and then it, you know, kind of came back down again. So, so. so what in mile three made you go? Nope, not the day. You know, my legs were just jelly. And it was just one of those, one of those things. Sometimes you go out for a run and your body just doesn't have it, you know, and it just happened to fall on, on race day for me that day. But Did you feel it going into it or when we started running? No, I felt that was the funniest thing is I, I felt so prepared and so ready. Like I felt better going into that race than I had ever. I was like, I'm going to win this thing, man. Like, I don't care who's, <laughs> who else is on the line. I felt so good. Uh, so confident. And then yeah, mile three, I was just like, oh, okay. That's kind of weird how it took that like that quick for you to know, especially because you felt great. Yeah, yeah, and, and like in hindsight, it's obvious to me. Like my taper was was stupid. We ended up moving the week before the race, uh, plus the travel to get out there. Uh, my kids were sick, so like I'm pretty sure I got I got sick too. So like looking back, it was obvious. But um, yeah, just one of those ones where the the confidence and the mindset was there, but the body wasn't, unfortunately. So. Do you have any signs that tell you that, uh, the difference between this is a mental thing and this is a physical thing? Um, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know if I have any specific signs. Um, I have, I have things that I try to do to, to, to push myself in, in the middle of a race. If I just am not wanting to run, I'm, I'm just feeling bad. I have certain things I'll do to, to see if it's just that, if it's just mental, um, certain mantras I'll tell myself, I'll try to push myself a little harder than I've been going just to see if it's like just a mental block. And I actually have it. Um, it's usually for me, it's pretty obvious when it's, <laughs> when it's actually physical versus mental, but yeah. Cause, cause I wonder sometimes because it happens with me too. Like sometimes I will feel great and my body will go, or my mind will go not today. And then I'll yeah. have to like check myself and go, wait a minute, you feel fine. Like what, well, what's not about today? Yeah. 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 I definitely have that. Some days where the mind's not there and I just don't want to, don't want to go for a run and I get out and I'm like, it's the best run I've had in, <laughs> in years. So it's, it's so funny how that works. It's a tricky thing. Uh, speaking yeah. of the mind. So I was watching the, uh, the fuel for life video that you did with, with gnarly. And um, yeah. you mentioned in the beginning that, the reason you started running was uh, for meditative purposes. Were you trying to reduce stress? Were you just trying to, what, what, what was the reason for the meditation and then leading into the running? Yeah. You know, I think I was just at the time, just kind of going through a hard period in my life. Um, sort of had a marriage that was falling apart and ultimately ended. And, you know, that's how I got into running longer distances is I just found myself out getting lost in the mountains for hours and hours at a time. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't know that it was something I, I told myself I was, I was going to do. I, I started running 
um, because I, I used to be a smoker, pretty, pretty out of shape. Um, and I just needed to do something to kind of get my fitness back together and stop feeling like I was, you know, dying every time I climbed upstairs or, or whatever. So, um, started running to see if I could get back in shape and that it just sort of like, you know, evolved into that, to, to my, you know, my meditative state. So. I enjoy how running is the gateway for most people because you literally need nothing but a pair of sneakers. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, people are like, Oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do this. But like a lot of the, the journey for people is like, you know what? One day I just put on my sneakers and I went outside and I just started running. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. And, and that was something that, that just got me through so much is, and, and I would literally wear running shorts and shoes and just go get lost for hours and rarely bring water, and, you know, a lot of kind of vision quest type, type stuff pretty often, but. Um, I'm sure you don't see them as much out there in the ultra running world, but I sometimes see them in the real world when I'm, when I'm uh, driving places. Have you ever seen the people that are running on the side of the road, along the road and you think to yourself, I don't know if that person is running from something or they're actually exercising. Like just <laughs> the way they're dressed, the way they look like, I don't know if they just did something and they're kind of. Yeah. Running <laughs> I saw that the other day, actually. Um, my, I bike commute to work and the, the area I go through is, is pretty sketch. Um, got a pretty bad homeless problem in the, on the West side of Salt Lake city where I live. And, um, you know, I, I probably see that almost every day, mm-hmm. folks that are out there running that I'm just like, Wonder, wonder what exactly that guy's running from. But, yeah, like cargo shorts uh, or like a pocket tee, and you're like, I don't. Uh, this guy <laughs> either did yeah. something or maybe something happened, and he's out running. You know, kind of like maybe something mentally. Or I once had it. Mine. I was I luckily in workout clothes, but I once uh, was about to have a panic attack, and I didn't know what a panic attack was. I just had this, yeah. feeling, and I went out and started running. I think I, I'm pretty sure I had some type of athletic gear on, but <laughs> I'm sure I was kind of like running that looked like my purpose was not uh exercise. it was more like i'm working through some stuff here <laughs> yeah i think some people are just super utilitarian too like i once ran a 5k and like cut off cargo shorts and uh sinooks so <laughs> just for fun i think i was i was planning on running it i just i don't know like i actually used to run a lot of road miles and sinooks just i just liked the way they felt <laughs> on my feet but um do you ever look back at some of the things you did early on in your career and were kind of like, what the hell was I thinking? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's being one of them for sure. Okay. Running, that, running yeah. without water. Yeah. Running without water. Yeah. What, what's one of the, uh, and now that you're like, you've been doing this for years, like more recently, what's one of the bigger mistakes you made that you're kind of like, I, I literally, I can't believe I did this this far into the game. Oh man, that's, that's tough. I don't know. I, I, I tend to not really have that mentality too much. Like I, I don't really look back and think what if that often, you know, it's, it's not really, I just try to learn and, and evolve and, and go from where, where I was. And I don't know. That's I don't good. know if I have a good answer for that. <laughs> That's good. You don't beat yourself up about things. That's yeah. Um, also, uh, so I saw in the video too, that you are now it said plant-based plant-based is just vegan, right? Yeah, more or less. I think, I think if anything, that term came just to sort of destigmatize the diet a little bit, and not make us all sound like crazy weirdos that are, you know, spray painting people's fur coats and stuff like that. Um, but, but yeah, I would, I would 
sort of categorize myself as both, <laughs> you know, plant-based diet and plant-based life. So when did that all start? Um, probably about 12 or 13 years ago. It kind of my whole life, like I never really liked meat. Um, but it was one of those things where, you know, my family wasn't going to let me get away with not eating it. So just kind of always forced it down. And then eventually when I was in my twenties, um, my wife at the time decided she was going to go vegetarian and, you know, just out of support, I, I went with her and, um, I ended up taking it far more extreme than she ever did. Uh, she kept eating fish. I took that out and then I eventually went vegan, cut out cheese and everything. So, yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that because, uh, I'm actually dating someone who is vegan mm -hmm. and it was something that I considered like for the, for the last year or so, maybe not going complete vegan, but possibly a vegetarian thing. And I call myself now a situational vegan. So yeah. when I'm with her, I kind of like, and not that she puts any pressure on me to do this stuff, but like, right. if we're, so uh, when she comes to visit and we're like looking for places to eat, like we try to find vegan, completely vegan places or options like that. So it's easier in that moment because, okay, there's a, the whole menu right in front of me that I can choose from. Yeah. So in the, in that way, like it makes it easy for that. But I feel like one of the things that kind of keeps me from it is because, you know, I'm 44 years old and not that I've had this way of eating my entire life that I can't change, but it's kind of like, I have these like go-to things that I can just do. Like if, if I'm in a hurry, I know what to eat to help myself. Yeah. But if I'm go going to vegan or <laughs> vegan or vegetarian, I'm like, Oh God, now what do I eat? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I still have <laughs> that problem all the time. Uh, <laughs> tra traveling is, is tough, you know, like it's really hard to find vegan restaurants and in random towns, especially a lot of towns, almost every town that has a good race in it, it's almost impossible to have to find vegan food. So, you know, you still have that. It just, I don't know. I think once you like, you've committed to something, it, it gets a lot easier because you, you know, you either you bring your own food. Like most of the time we travel, I just, I'll bring a giant bag of, of food. I know I can't eat that way. I'm never left without. Um, yeah. So you just kind of adapt. <laughs> so what do you do when you're in races? Or do you carry it all with you? I carry some stuff, but honestly, most things at aid stations are, are vegan by nature, like pretzels, peanut butter sandwiches. Uh, you know, most, most, like commercial nutrition too, gels and, and drink mixes and things like that. Most of those are all vegan. So it's really not as big of a challenge as most people would suspect it to be. Mm -hmm. so. Another misconception that I feel like people have it about it too, because I did for most of probably my life <laughs> until recently yeah. was that the, the whole veganism thing, like it's only vegetables and that's all you eat is right. <laughs> like the other day right. I had a quote unquote chicken sandwich that was pretty damn good. That obviously was not chicken, but <laughs> it, it was pretty good. So there's a lot of things out there that are like a substitute for the things that people actually like. Yeah. Not only that, there's a lot of things that are vegan that, that people don't know, like Oreos are vegan, you know? <laughs> I feel like everyone knows that because that's like the go-to of like, Oh, I can, I can be vegan. Their Oreos are vegan. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> As if like, the, the funny, the, what I love about that is like people are going to a new eating plan, but they got to find the one thing that they can hang on to. Like I can at least yeah. hang on to Oreos. Like, okay, no, if you're going to fail because you're already yeah. trying to find things that you can squeeze into this new eating plan. Like, don't, am I wrong with that? 
No. And, and the funny thing is, is so my wife kind of dabbles with the keto thing every once in a while. And, you know, she, she has to do the same thing. And, and a lot of the times, you know, it was, it was a great diet for her and she, she was, you know, doing really well for a while, but I like most of what she ate was like keto cupcakes and like keto, this and that, and this and that. And it's like, I don't know that that's really any healthy for you. Like you're, you're losing weight cause you're restricting your calories and like, you're doing all this, but like, I don't know. It, and I think everyone just sort of has a tendency to do that. Maybe it's just an American thing. We just like get so attached to junk food and comfort foods when we're kids that like, we feel like we can't live without those things. But yeah. I, I feel like you're kind of setting yourself up with a plan B to already fail. Yeah. On plan a number yeah. one. And number two, what I think a lot of people do wrong and, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how you kind of transition to it. But I think what a lot of people do wrong is let's say they want to go. Let's not let's not even do vegan. Let's do veg, being a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. They go full in, completely eliminate everything else out of their diet that is not that. And then within two weeks are miserable when they really could have just transitioned slowly, got rid of things one at a time and been like, OK, well, this is easy. I already got rid of that. So now I can get rid of that. Did you find yourself slowly going transitioning or like kind of? bore um well i guess it was a slow transition to veganism Mm -hmm. um to vegetarian it was kind of you know pulling the rug out but i know i had like two weeks where i was totally vegetarian and then we were walking in the grocery store and like down the the deli aisle or something and i just like saw packages of pepperoni on the the thing and i was just like took one off and like had to rip it open before I got to the check stand and just started mowing down pepperoni. Um, and, but that was it. Like I did that and it was like, it was like quitting smoking, you know, like you, you're doing good and then you have, you know, something really stressful happen. You smoke a pack of cigarettes and then feel like, like crap. And then you're just like, okay, never doing that again. Uh, (laughs) Uh, so is pepperoni your, like your kryptonite? Oh, definitely not. I think I was just like, I just wasn't doing it right. I was probably just eating salad, nothing but salad and like needed protein. And my body just saw whatever cured meats hanging. <laughs> it was like, I got to I got to have that. Uh, I think a lot of times too, people, uh, they pay more attention to the actual food when sometimes I feel like it's the feeling that the food gives you. So let's use yeah. yours, for example, like, okay, you had that moment with pepperoni, but maybe that pepperoni was attached to something else that you kind of missed that you didn't have anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Probably. Yeah. Some sort of visceral like <laughs> experience of well, yeah, because I, that, yeah. Happened, that happened to me. So I gave up coffee about oh, it's been about two years now. Um, and for, okay, so I always say this. First of all, I didn't give up caffeine, I just gave up coffee. Right. <laughs> so people are like, what? And I, I have to explain that I still I'm not crazy. I still get caffeine. But <laughs> I gave up coffee at, and I realized in the beginning that it was the cream and sugar that I liked and not so much the coffee. Right. And I also figured out that it was the feeling of the coffee. Like, you know, that first sip in the morning and like the getting up and the making and the process of that. And it's the ritual. It, yeah. I found it harder to get rid of the ritual than the actual thing. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that I'm a huge coffee addict. So the ritual is a big part of my life. Yeah. So, but do you built, so you probably built more rituals now with being vegan, right? Hmm. I don't know. Nothing, nothing more prominent than coffee is to me. I don't think that's like the realize it's your ritual. You might just be doing it and you don't even realize you're doing it. Yeah. I I mean, 
the closest thing I have is preparing my own meals, you know, because, you know, I get home at a certain time and I have to, I have to, uh, sort of factor everything in my life around, I got to be in the kitchen at this time to, <laughs> to make dinner. That would be the, yeah, the closest thing to making that coffee in the morning, I guess. I saw online that you enjoy cooking and baking. Do you like one better than the other? Uh, I'm just cooking in general. Cause I'm, I'm just not really a dessert person. I love, I love making desserts. I just don't love eating them so much. I used to be a pastry chef and it was like the funniest thing. Cause I'd have other people try my desserts. Cause I just didn't, <laughs> it's just not my jam. How did you get but, into being a pastry chef? It sort of fell into it. Uh, I used to own a food truck and, uh, that was sort of, um, going out because my, my business partner at the time moved to Portland. And, um, so I ended up getting a job at a restaurant and just sort of doing whatever duties I could. And, uh, their pastry chef had just left. So I started just, you know, making the desserts and then started making specials and then just eventually was, <laughs> was the pastry chef. But. That's pretty awesome. Have you, have you tried to ad- adapt any of those recipes now to being plant-based and vegan? Um, but this was actually a vegan restaurant. It was oh, actually, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I made yeah. it super easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was actually vegan and gluten-free. So it was a bit of a challenge to make awesome desserts that don't have any good stuff in it, you know? That's pretty awesome. <laughs> actually, now that you mentioned that, uh, um, again, my girlfriend was up this past weekend and we went to this restaurant, uh, that kind of, it's not vegan, but it's got some options and they had a plant-based peanut butter cup, chocolate cake kind of thing. Yeah. We went three nights in a row just to get that dessert. <laughs> and I go-, go ahead. Uh, it's just, you can't go wrong with that combination, man. It's yeah, it's great. It insane. It was delicious. And I kept on jokingly saying, man, I can't believe this is fat free. Cause I know it's not, but yeah. it's <laughs> kind of good that it's like plant-based. So you're kind of right. okay with it. But I'm sure if I saw the caloric, uh, you know, if I saw how many calories I was taking in each time, like every night, at least we split it. <laughs> That's a good thing. But I'm kind of like, this feels somewhat healthy in a, in a weird way. Right. <laughs> But it's again, funny how that works. Yeah, yeah again, the, the options out there are, are if people don't know, there are a lot of options out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, let's, let's talk about your ultra running. Um, one of the things that appeals to me about ultra running, and while I've never done it before, one of the things that kind of is kind of pulling me towards trying it is sometimes when I'm running, I like to think to myself, there's a good chance I'm probably one of the only people that ever stepped on that spot right there or ran through that spot. Like you ever think about that while you're going through places? Uh, some places for sure. <laughs> <laughs> what can you think of like the most remote place where you're like, I know no one's ever been through here. Well, usually it involves getting lost. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, there's just oftentimes, you know, exploring new routes and you end up bushwhacking and yeah, it's, I've definitely had that thought, like besides maybe a, a deer or like, <laughs> or a, a rat or something like, I don't think anybody's ever really stepped through here, but. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about, especially when you're in a place where you're like, you know, people have lived here for hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet I might be the only person that just ran through that one spot or, or saw that one spot or whatever. It also makes yeah. me feel kind of small. I always feel kind of small when I think about that stuff, because like I'll be running through the woods and I'll see a tree or I'll see something and I'll go, that thing's been here for God knows how long and it's going to be here way past I'm, you know, me being here. And it makes you feel different. Get kind of like, get that feeling. Oh yeah. All the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you go to places like Grand Canyon or something, you know, and you can just see 
just see all the layers of of history and it's just like i'm just stardust man i'm nothing i don't i don't mean anything mm. but, were uh, you always kind of like a uh i don't want to call it a sightseer but were you always into that type of thing as a kid like exploring unknown places oh yeah for sure yeah we grew up in boulder colorado and and uh you know, we had miles behind us. We could just run around and explore and go hiking all the time as kids with, with our parents and stuff. So yeah, that's always been, been something that's been a big part of my life. I saw online that you have kids. I, I have two kids too. And, uh, we, we recently came back, uh, we went to Lake Placid and we were like mountain climbing and trail running and stuff like that. And as much as I want my kids to go out and explore, there's the part of me that's kind of like, don't go too far because if I can't find yeah. it, how do you, how do you kind of manage that with your kids and, and what you do? Yeah, well, it's, I don't know. My, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, there, I have this like thing that I, I want to let my kids be like I was when I was a kid and just roam. And, you know, this is early eighties and, you know, parenting was different back then. Mm-hmm. Parents just kind of let their kids go and come back at dinner time and don't really do that so much anymore. Like, all our kids have GPS watches that we, we know where they are at all times. They can call us on them. Um, so there's like part of me that wants, wants to just let them roam wild. Uh, but then, you know, I think, I think the world's just different. So, and also like my, my kids would kill themselves if left to their own devices for sure. <laughs> they really would. They're, they're so accident prone and just like have no, no fear whatsoever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's hard to like balance those two things and, and want to let them explore and keep them safe. Right. How do you uh, not want to squash the fears though? <sighs> How do you balance that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like parenting to me is like such a um, experiment and adaptation and, and just figuring things out, winging it, you know, like learning as I go. Um I always make the joke that I'm, I'm apologizing to my dad every day because like, I realize now I'm, I'm 40 years old. I have three kids and I still feel like a child. Like, so it's, it's always just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. learning as I go and, and trying to figure it out. And so I'm definitely not a perfect parent. I, I try to try to balance the fun and adventure with also being, you know, strict and everything, but I have no idea what I'm doing. No idea. <laughs> It's funny because I saw uh, an interview that you did online and you said like of all the places you've been and all the remote places you've run that the scariest thing you've ever done is become a parent. For sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy because like, it's not, I mean, yes, it's a big responsibility, but in the grand scheme of things, like you can only do so much, you know, like, and then the the kid's going to grow up to whatever they're going to grow. You you kind of guide them, but like you can, as much as you try, you know, yeah. it's like, they're going to be with who they're going to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think I'm introspective to a fault. So like, I'm, I'm always questioning, like, how should I have handled that situation? What could I have done better? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's the scariest part is like, it's more self doubt and I'm projecting it on my kids. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. It makes total sense. Also, I want to go back to, to something you said about, uh, cause you and I basically are around the same age and we did grow up in a generation where you just went out and came back yeah. and you were told, but I do want to clarify this because people are like, oh yeah, when we were kids, we would go out and if our parents could have, they would have strapped GPS to us. The oh yeah, for sure. It's not available. So they had <laughs> yeah. a choice. 
But if, <laughs> I don't know about your parents, but if my parents could have put like a tracking device on me, they absolutely would have. Yeah, I would imagine my mom would do the same for sure. Yeah. So our parents weren't quite as like carefree as we're making. <laughs> they just didn't have the technology yet. Yeah, it was just a different time. Right. Yeah, so it's completely it's completely <laughs> different with, with that kind of thing. Um, do your kids have any interest in in ultra running or anything like that? Um, I don't know about ultra running specifically. My my son definitely he's shown a lot of interest in running, and he he likes to try to prove he's faster than me and and all that stuff. So. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things, you know, my dad was a runner. Um, we grew up in Boulder. He moved out there to, to train. He was a pretty serious marathoner, uh, when I was a kid and like, I, so I ran when I was a kid, I was on the, the Boulder youth track team and, and did all that. But I think it's not that my, my dad ever pushed me into doing it. It was more just, I saw a different perspective of it and it was never really like my thing. And I feel like the more he tried to get me to run, the more I sort of wanted to do other things, you know, and, and that's where I want to be careful with, with my kids. Like I want to encourage them and like, and, you know, lead by example and show them this is what I do and bring them to races. If they fall in love with the, the community and everything, like then great. But, you know, if they want to, you know, be rock stars or, you know, artists or whatever, I'm going to support that too. So just, yeah. Trying to again, just trying to find that balance of like, how much do I like encourage you to to do what I like, and how much do I just let you be you and find out what that is eventually. So, you also find too, it's kind of a tough sport in in a way of like encouraging and bringing a kid along because it it is a solo sport. You know, like yeah. if your kid's into baseball, you can go play baseball with them. But when you're running, yes, you can run together, but ultimately, it's a solo thing. For sure. And like, even, even spectating races, you know, my kids were at this last one and they see me maybe two times throughout the day. And like, you know, like that's, that's not a super exciting thing, especially in ultra marathons. If you're at the front, there's like hardly anybody there, like cheering you on or doing anything. You just kind of come in quietly to the aid station and grab food. And then it's like, it's definitely not super glamorous. So like, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they see it and they're just like, what, why does he do that? It doesn't look fun. Uh, Especially when they probably see you and you look physically <laughs> drained and exhausted. A little haggard. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, do they ever like crew for you or do anything like, you know, kind of like help you out in that way? Um, no. So my two youngest are five and six. So they're just kind of getting, getting to that age where my wife even feels comfortable bringing them. Cause she's my, she's my main crew. And like, mm-hmm. she wants to just be able to focus on making sure I get what I need and not having to chase kids around and stuff. So yeah, probably we'll be see. An awful crew. five and six probably be an awful crew. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, For sure. It's like daddy needs those raisins. You can't eat them all. <laughs> daddy, <laughs> you're eating that all of dad's trail mix. Like I gotta, I need that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so I wrote this question down. I, I thought it would be like a good kind of, I don't know, like a brain teaser for you. So um, you're into running and you've got this plant-based lifestyle. If you had this superpower and every day you could convince one person to either try running or try to go plant-based, which one would you pick? <sighs> yeah, that that is a... That is a tough one. I can kind of go over pros and cons of both. Um, okay, go for it. You're allowed, one to, of the, you're allowed to work it through. You're, yeah. allowed, you can show your work here. <laughs> well, one of the, the one of the reasons I, I would lean towards plant-based is I do think that it 
has a lot of environmental impacts. And I, I think that something where, as I stare outside right now in our sky here in Salt Lake is, is completely covered in smoke. I can't see the mountains. Um, you know, it's getting worse every year and, and climate change is, is real, man. It's like something we're, we're experiencing. And like, I feel like, um, doing little things, whether you, we could argue all day, whether, you know, being plant-based saves, saves water from agriculture, like whatever, but anytime you're doing anything that you feel like is going to make a change is probably making a positive impact on the world. Um, so that's one reason I would, I would say making choices like that running on the other hand is a very selfish thing. Like it, it's not really impacting the world as a whole. Um, but what it does do is it, it, uh, it impacts you and makes you a better person. Like it's ultra running, especially like I go out and I, completely voluntarily put myself through hell. Um, you know, I'm 80 miles into a race and I'm questioning why am I doing this? This is so stupid. I'm never doing it again. Um, I just want to turn around and go to the last day station, get a ride home, grab a beer, some pizza, sit on the couch and do nothing for a month. Um, but instead, you know, you keep going, you keep pushing forward and like you're, it's a psychological battle the entire time. And like, I feel like crap. And, and ultimately you finish and you realize that like, you can do anything. Like you can do hard things, man. Nothing is hard enough to, to overcome. And in life all the time, we experience these, these things that we don't get voluntarily. You know, we get shit sandwiches shoved in our faces all the time. And we have to figure out how to process that. And I think running for me, um, you know, for other people could be, could be swimming. Doesn't, it doesn't even have to be physical, but like we have these things in our life that that teach us how to get over those things, you know, where other, otherwise, you know, like beyond therapy and things like that, we, we might not have all the tools to deal with as readily. So it's kind of a draw, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of uh, guide you in one way and you can tell me if, if this is a good enough, like kind of just will help you out in that. I all feel right. like the average person there's more of a chance of them stumbling upon and liking running than there is kind of stumbling upon and trying being plant-based or vegan. So I would lean that because in the hopes that, and then eventually they'll find running because you, you know, anybody can find running like, like we yeah. said, it's the easiest thing in the world. So if, with the diet thing, like that's not something you just kind of stumble upon and want to try. Right. You know, so if you kind of go that way, that's true, but I'm going to throw another another little thing in here. Um, sometimes when you convince people to run and you push running on people, they tend to start messing with their diets naturally. Um, That's true. And and I think you know, depending on whatever year it is, whatever's in style, whatever the fat is right now, it might be low carb or or whatever. But like people are eventually going to start dabbling in these things to you know and probably not fairly, but probably to try to improve their diet in, or to improve their performance. So I don't know, man, it's tough. <laughs> it's a tough question. It's tough. I might start asking it uh, all, you know, the runners who come on here that are vegan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of stuff. Interesting. <laughs> be interesting to see what they have to say for sure. Um, do you think not like kind of uh, preaching or not kind of like talking to people, how many people do you think, do you think you've influenced more people to try running or to try a plant-based diet just by 
you know, uh, them watching what you do? Um, if I had to guess, I'd say I've influenced more people to try plant-based, um, based on it's, it's one of those things that, that people seem to find interesting is, uh, plant-based endurance athletes. So like I end up giving more talks and things like that about, about being vegan than I do about just being a runner. Um, honestly, like people that have no interest in running, it's really hard to convince them that it's going to be a fun thing to do. It re- it really is. Cause you know, I don't know if people are like traumatized from previous things in their life or whatever, but like people think running is some sort of punishment. And, and when you, when you tell them that's what, <laughs> that's what you do, they're just always like, why, why would you do that? I don't even like to run a mile. And you try to explain, I'm like, well, this is why it makes me feel this way. It's, it's so great. And they're like, yeah, I don't see it. <laughs> you know? I, I'm over here laughing because I, we've, I've discussed this with so many people on this podcast that running gets a bad rap because it's either the thing you hated in gym class, or it was the mm-hmm. punishment when you played other sports for not doing what you were supposed to yeah. do. Like basketball, run laps, soccer, run laps, baseball, run laps. And it became a punishment. And so people, I feel, associate running with a punishment and they for sure. want to do it. And so I feel like it starts with kids and learning in school. Okay. Running isn't a punishment. It's actually a good thing. Yeah. But yeah. It's funny. And I think in all school systems. <laughs> yeah. Like that. I remember, you know, running laps in gym class and all the time because you know one kid's goofing off or whatever and so the whole class has to go run laps and yeah I think I always just sort of like pretended like I didn't like it oh yeah I, I hate this because that's what everyone was saying but like mm. in truth it wasn't that bad you know like I didn't like it so I don't know here's the only thing I hated and I, I, I always liked running but the one thing I hated when it came to school was uh so you have to go out there and run and you just start sweating and then you got to put your other clothes back on and that's always the worst for me, <laughs> you know, like the getting super sweaty. Cause I went to a, so I went to a, uh, all Catholic elementary school. I went to a Catholic uh-huh. elementary school and a, a Catholic high school. So we would literally like change it to gym clothes, go around and sweat. And then there's no time to shower or anything. You just oh, yeah. put your old clothes back on. And it was just like the work, like shirt and tie after sweating outside. And I would hate that part about it. So I didn't hate the actual running. I hated the sweating and then putting on a shirt and tie and having to sit through your next class dripping with sweat with a shirt and tie on. I see that for sure. We were, I was at a school where we were like literally forced to shower naked, you know, next to everybody, which, which is probably, you know, equally traumatizing in in its own way. It probably is, but at least you were cool the next class. (laughs) For sure. The worst was I used to have it. So we used to have rotating a rotating schedule. So every day your schedule changed for four days and it went back to the original so there was times when i would have gym first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. get dressed up go to school then you had to get to school your first class was putting on gym clothes sweating and then putting your uniform back on and leaving those on all day long (laughs) yeah that's rough (laughs) i'm sorry for everyone out there i'm uh i'm kind of living my past traumas out here (laughs) with trevor we're not talking about running we're talking about what traumatized chris as a kid (laughs) <laughs> it works, man. Therapy. Yeah, it does. Speaking of traumatizing, something else I read online that probably traumatized me as a kid and possibly traumatized you. Uh, you have a collection of um, baseball and, and basketball cards that you're hoping to sell one day. They're all in mint condition and you think you're going to uh, retire on them. We, we all know that pipe dream is gone. Right? <laughs> oh, for sure. You know, I, uh, funny thing, I keep talking about my dad, like 
he always had this this story. He had like a Mickey Mantle rookie card, mm-hmm. and he went away to college, and he came back, and his mom had thrown away all his baseball cards. And then, like, of course, you know, thirty years later, that card's worth you know two hundred thousand dollars, whatever it was. And so, like, I've just always held on to him because my dad was always telling me this horror story, you know. Yeah. So I have like all these mint condition Shaquille O'Neal rookie cards and stuff, and like I just keep saying someday that's going to be worth worth something, but you know, right? It won't be. Trading cards aren't coming <laughs> back, but I don't know if any from our generation are, are really big. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> no. Also, too, and my dad had those same type of stories with like his Mickey Mantle cards and stuff like that. And I would always say to him, okay, but what condition was it in? Because if it was like beaten yeah. up and like it's not, it wasn't really worth anything. And she didn't throw away that much. <laughs> yeah. And now I was trying to look up the value of some of these cards and the, the condition rating system they have now is like, oh, yeah super extensive and i i didn't understand any of it and i was like yeah my my cards aren't worth anything i'm sure yeah i mean they account into everything like if the picture's off center if the, sometimes it's just the way the card was cut by the manufacturer like if it right. was off it's nothing you've even done to it it's like it's not the perfect you know trying to find the perfect card it's, <laughs> I, I i feel like if that was in place when we were kids i probably wouldn't have collected cards as much or like thought they were worth anything because I would have looked at a card and been like, Oh, this is off center. This is worth nothing. Like, I feel like that would have hindered me from collecting. Yeah, probably. You know, cause I've been like, Oh, this is, you know, I got 17 of these how Morris cards and all of them are off center. So yeah. like they're not even worth it. I don't know what made me think of how Morris. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, they do that now too. I just, uh, I'm moving and I just uncovered all my old return to Jedi uh and star wars guys yeah yeah some of them are worth a decent amount of money but they all have to be like who kept them in the package right like who kept them in the package how come there's no running cards oh i don't know that's a good question there should be like great runners in history and it's just like a collector's thing i think you just stumbled upon a a million dollar idea there except now it's all nfts or whatever so oh there's probably nfts for runner cards or something Probably. Yeah. There's got to be. There's uh, NFTs for everything now. Get a Pete Maravich rookie card. Yeah. Not Pete like, Maravich. <laughs> that's, that's basketball. Yeah. <laughs> Prefontaine is what I meant to say. Yeah. A, a, a Prefontaine card or like, a, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the possibilities are endless. Hopefully, I gave somebody an idea out there to yeah. make these cards. Maybe, would there be a, would, would there be a Trevor Fuchs card? Uh, probably not. Oh, oh, okay, let's honest. say there was. Let's say there was. Okay, so they start making running cards. They make ultra runner cards, and you're okay. in the first series of ultra runner cards. And they come to you and they're like, "Trevor, we need a weird fact for the back." Remember these with those weird facts on the back? Yeah. What's a weird fact about you that would be on the back of your running card? Man, you're asking the hard hitting questions here. Weird fact: this I have is not three... your typical running podcast, my friend. <laughs> I have three nipples, so. You know, I got to wear three band-aids when I, when I run marathons but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and my card wouldn't be worth anything to so, say. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Like that's one of those facts that kids would always remember on the back. of the- <laughs> like, oh, It's like Trevor's got three nipples. Yeah. That must be. <laughs> uh, so last question that I do like to ask people, um, do you, which do you enjoy more? Proving yourself right or proving other people wrong? Oh, man. I always like to tell myself that I want to prove people wrong. I feel like I have this, like, this 
spite that, that I, you know, just builds up inside of me sometimes. Um, but I tend to let it go too quickly. So I think that it's, it's probably proving myself right. Sometimes proving myself wrong, I guess, as well. But it, usually it's, it's more about proving things to myself than, than other people. So, Do you think it's probably because uh, if you do prove someone wrong, you probably, they probably wouldn't even maybe sometimes know it or even notice anyway? Yeah. And like, I, th- I feel like despite that I have, like they never know I have it, you know? Um, it's not, it's not that I'm two-faced or anything. It's just that I, I don't tend to like be angry at people. I try to always, always be kind and everything. So like, I'm never telling people that I, that I have this like need to prove them wrong. So like, if I do, what, what difference does it make? They're never going to know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's a good fuel for a run though. I've used it before. Definitely. I think there's like, there's something helpful in having a balance of like, you know, intrinsic motivation, um, joy, just the love of running, like running with a smile on your face and just like a healthy little level of spite underneath it all to like, you know, cause if you don't have that, like, whether it's again, like proving yourself wrong or proving things to yourself or proving things to other people, like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, there's just like a magical amount that like will push you to the next level. So it's funny. You mentioned smile on your face because for the last couple of months, uh, especially towards the end of my runs, I've been going out of my way to put a smile on my face. Yeah. It's been helping with the end of runs. It makes me look crazy when I end it like in a neighborhood or like through a park when I just look like this lunatic smiling, like that's <laughs> running. But I really noticed that, uh, putting a smile on your face helps at the end of a run. Yeah. It's, it's performance enhancing for sure. Yeah. That's something my, my coach always says is smile every mile, you know, like you don't, you don't realize how just, even if, even if you don't mean it, even if there's that smile is empty, there's nothing behind it. It does something like it triggers something in your brain, you know, and like it definitely, you know, makes you run better, faster, happier. So it would be great if you had a smile. And so the next ultra you run, if you win with this big giant smile on your face and it gets caught like in pictures and you become a meme. In some way. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, isn't that everyone's ultimate goal now to just become a meme? <laughs> yeah, probably. That's that's the new famous, right? <laughs> yeah, it is really the new famous. Like, oh, I saw that guy. He's on a meme. <laughs> for good reasons, not for bad reasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so before I let you go, tell everybody where they can find out more about you online. Um, well, I'm on Instagram. I don't use it a ton. Uh, it's at Trevor Fuchs, under Trevor underscore Fuchs, I think. Mm. Um, that would, that would be the main place. That's the place I'm most active online. Um, can follow me on Facebook to try to respond to friend requests and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've, I've definitely been like limiting social media in my life the last few months, but yeah, I, I saw that you mentioned that in your video, you're not a big fan of, I mean, I feel like few people are big fans of social media, but a lot of us just have to do it because we have to do it. Yeah. So I, I feel like I was doing it because I had to do it. You know, I started it because owning a food truck, like you had to have social media to let people know where you were and then getting into running. Like at first I didn't use it much, but like start getting sponsors and you know, you have, you have to use it. Like just trying to always like pretend like I'm something just got super exhausting. And not only that reading about, the political climate and everything every day is just mentally draining. And so it's something I've been trying to, to get rid of in my life, but 
Yeah, I feel like a lot of people now are like, I have social media, I go on there, I put up what I want, and then I pretty much sign off of it until I go back on to put something else up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is which is a great healthy thing. But like, for me at the same time, that that is basically what I do currently. But like, even like then what's what's the point of even doing that? Like, do people really need to know that thing about me? Like, I don't know, what's what's this compulsion that we have to like, you know, I did this today and like post that out into the world. And <laughs> I don't well, know. I feel like, okay, I feel like <laughs> for people like us, it's a little bit different. So for you, people are following you for your running. So it's more like a motivation. For me, I have a parenting account where I make jokes about parenting. So I kind of like, I know that people, I'm sure people have reached out to you and said, Hey, I didn't feel like going for a run today. I saw you went for a run and then it made me go for a run. I've had yeah. people that have reached out to me and said, Hey, I was having a shit day as a parent. And then I saw something you wrote and it made me laugh and it made me feel better. So I feel yeah. like in a way we're at least kind of helping people and inspiring people. And it's not like we're showing off. We're just kind of like, Hey, for you, it's running for me. It's parenting. We're in this thing together and we're kind of like helping each other through. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and there's so much value for me, especially in like meme accounts and, and, you know, especially anything funny is just, that's definitely worth it for sure. All right, so. let's, look Real quick. Let's plug your favorite yeah. meme account that you like. Is there anything you follow religiously? Oh, uh, I don't know what, what your thought is on, uh, on swearing on this, on this podcast, oh, but for I swear I'll tell okay. you. <laughs> uh, fuck Jerry is good. <laughs> it's, okay. You know, it's mostly like, uh, reposting of, of different memes and things, but generally any given day, there's something on there that's going to make me laugh. So <laughs> uh, I, I'm totally cool with that because I actually, uh, have a side gig and I work with the fuck Jerry people. Oh, cool. So they're good people. They have, uh, they, they make, you're never going to believe this. So they have another side of the company that makes family games. Oh, really? <laughs> so I work on the family game side. Cool. So they're totally cool with me. Uh, I have another one that uh, I can suggest for you. I think he's on Instagram and he's also on TikTok. And my friends and I get the biggest kick out of it. We send each other uh, them all day. I don't know, remember the name of the actual account, but his whole thing is be a man. But he okay. does like really stupid situations where you're supposed to quote unquote be a man. Right. This like older guy, probably like late fifties, early sixties. And like he did one today where it was like, when your girlfriend gets in a car accident and she calls to tell you, don't ask her how she is, ask her how the car is, be a man. <laughs> and it's all these like <laughs> awful situations where you would never do these things. But at the end, it's like, be a man. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Huh? Yeah. And I just laugh at them every time because they're just always awful. And then he just ends them all with be a man. Yeah. <laughs> but there's really no in no way Solid advice. Thing to do <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's gonna be my recommendation I, I, so social is good especially like when you're you know you just come back from an awful not an awful run but like a run where you just like put your whole just heart and guts out there and you just want to laugh for like 10 seconds yeah for sure yeah i think i actually just went through my my instagram yesterday and like deleted almost everything like got rid of all the like sort of influencer people that I just don't need to be seeing like what products they're hawking today and like basically just left all the meme accounts and, and funny stuff. So it's funny we, you brought this up. But, That's hilarious. Also, uh, I'm going to give you another recommendation. It's called Influencers in the Wild. Oh, nice. And I just, think I've seen that. Yeah, It's basically people taking videos and photos of influencers doing things 
and it's yeah. always hilarious. <laughs> it's, Dude, I got yeah. It's always hilarious. We're sitting here talking about other accounts that we follow, right? <laughs> Our own. Uh, but you told everybody where they can find you. And when's uh, when's your next race? Like, what are you training for now? Um, I'm trying to figure out something to do this fall, which would just be a, a lead up to Hurt 100 in Hawaii in January. Okay. So that's kind of the next thing I have. Cool. Well, uh, best of luck and keep us updated with what you're doing and everything you got going on. For sure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, man. And that's going to do it for the show this week. I want to thank my guests, Trevor Fuchs. Check him out on Instagram at Trevor underscore Fuchs, F-U-C. I'm sorry. Yes, F-U-C-H-S. Anytime I start spelling F-U-C, I, I get confused and think I'm about to spell fuck. Uh, it's, again, it's at Trevor underscore Fuchs. Um, or you can watch uh, his video on uh, Gnarly Nutrition's website. It's all about him and his vegan lifestyle. It's a, it's a pretty cool little video. It's got his family. It's, it's a sweet little thing. Uh, also, remember, once again, share the show with friends, fellow runners. You know, leave a five-star review on iTunes or just slip me five bucks. And maybe I could buy some uh, furniture and some some pictures for this house, so it doesn't sound like that I'm on the inside of a uh, portageon somewhere. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, until next week, take care. I'll see everyone out on the road, and as always, stay fresh, cheese bags. <laughs>